Hello, hello, kids. Welcome to another episode. We are here, and I'm very excited. This is your resident spooky drag queen, Pissy Miles. And this is your resident spooky smartass, Sam Baxter. And we have two very special guests with us today. We have... Hi, I'm Joe Lipset. And I'm Trace Thurman. And we're the horror queers. Yay! <laughs> but this is my spooky, spooky gay, gay family. I'll be your spooky former twink of the evening. <laughs> Emphasis on former. Former. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like so formerly a twink that like it basically doesn't count anymore. I've I've overridden all of the twink. Actually, what's funny is David and I got in a <laughs> David and I got in a bit of a fight last night. <laughs> because oh no. I, I was telling I was talking to do you know Jasmine Rice Labeja? She's a drag queen from New York City. I don't. Name she's, is familiar. She's lovely. I love. Je she's my best friend. I love her to death. She's amazing. I was on the phone with her last night, and we, David and I, were sitting there talking to her. We were FaceTiming, and uh, we were talking about weight because I had taken a bunch of pictures yesterday while I was in Scranton. Hello, everyone. Yes, I was in Scranton, um, <laughs> and uh, I was like, "Oh, I look so fat," and and she was like, "Ba ba 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 something something something," and I was like, "Well, you know, I was telling David not that long ago that when we met, I was 140 pounds," and he was like, "No, you were not," and I was oh. like, <laughs> "I was like, oh, wasn't I?" <laughs> and he was like, "He was like, you, there's no way you were 140 pounds." I was like, "Really? Because I looked at the scale like three times a day back then <laughs> when, when the numbers were good. I used to check it quite often, and we got into uh, a little bit of an argument." But it is all <laughs> resolved now. Um, <laughs> and the body will never be found. The body will never be found. It is the worst horror movie ever. Um, oh, and by the way, welcome back, kids. <laughs> we're, we're here with uh, two very, very special guests. We're very excited to have you guys on My Spooky Gay Family today. We have the hosts of Horror Queers, Joe and Trace. Uh, how are you guys doing? How's it going? I... <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to like date the episode so bad already, but like go you know, ahead. We're, we're, we're very yeah, open no, on the show. <laughs> we're we like are, we're we're recording this the day after election day, mm -hmm. and the results still are not in, and so I think all of us are a little on edge right now. <laughs> yeah, everybody's kind of panicking a little bit. I to think. put it mildly, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sam, I texted Sam like three times today because uh, I texted her once at like God, what was it like? noon, noon. and yeah. then once at one and i was like i said to david i was like i'm starting to panic i don't think sam's okay she hasn't answered me all day and <laughs> oh, then she no. texted me back finally and she's like sorry i was sleeping and i was like oh my god i thought you like jumped out a window <laughs> <laughs> it's not quite that bad i know <laughs> you missed our hourly check-in is everything okay <laughs> i know <laughs> that's our fail safe every hour i text sam uh, you, Trace, are coming to us from Texas, so I imagine it's probably been a bit wild down there. 
You know, I mean, so I live in Austin, and Austin is always called the blueberry and the tomato soup. We've always been a really liberal <laughs> city. Like, our, our county is – it's. I mean, our city slogan is keep Austin weird. And so it's always been, like, this little safe haven of Texas. We can go to Austin. It's super liberal, very queer. Um, and so – but on the downside, it's a bubble because we live here and we're like, cool, we're good. And then, you know, <laughs> Texas still votes red. <laughs> you know, I've always wanted to go to Austin. I've been asked a couple of times. And one year I was even uh, offered a spot in the Austin International Drag Festival, oh. which is which I was very excited about because I had, a, I had never been to Austin and B, there were a lot of really uh, amazing queens going and. I I feel like such an asshole even saying this. I backed out because I was I was booked, but it was like I I don't want to say anything bad about any of the promoters. The the, the money <laughs> the money was you don't not want to. the money was not what I had been expecting. And then right. on top no, I, of it, they were I like, I think that's fair. Yeah, and I'm not throwing anybody under the bus. I, I don't want to say a mean word about them. They did a lot of really hard work, and I've heard nothing but good things about the festival. Um, but they were, it was like not quite a lot of money. And then they wanted to put me in a show where the headliner was Madeline Hatter, who is a New York City <laughs> queen. And I was like, why would I go all the way to Austin? <laughs> for not a lot of money to perform with someone I see like every fucking day in New York yeah. City. <laughs> I mean, it's also one of those things, you know, it's like you're going to a job interview. Like, you know, you know your worth. You know what yeah. you deserve to be paid. And I mean, obviously, it, it's not always going to happen. So you have to be like, I think it's good that you kind of stood your ground in that. Exactly. And again, like, I don't have a bad word to say about that. Yeah. I know how hard it is to like to put together. a. a I know what how hard it is to put together an event that's like on the smaller side of large, I can't imagine putting together a whole fucking festival where you're dealing with not only the flaky ass drag queens, but the the bars and the venues and the spaces and the tickets and all that stuff. It's so, so complicated. So I, I'm not I would never say a, a rude word about any of the promoters, but sometimes I do think about that and I'm like, well, I'm kind of glad I didn't uh, <laughs> spend the money. I went to DragCon instead. Uh, because yeah, they were, yeah. it was the year they were both like kind of happening at the same time. And mm -hmm. I went with uh, someone who at the time was uh, a very close friend of mine. And uh, wow, this story does not paint me a very good picture of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's totally fine. I was like, I just keep... You got like three quarters of the way through it before you... <laughs> I was like, this is not boding well for Pissy Miles. She just comes out looking like she flakes on bookings and she has no friends. Uh, yeah, it, but I ended up going to a drag con and it was a lot more fun because uh, at that point the dispensaries were around. So I was very excited. I know. Do, is there legal weed in Canada, Joe? You bet there is. My God, what doesn't Canada have? Um... I mean, yeah, it's kind of like the land of milk and honey. Is Jeez. prostitution legal? No. Okay, well, that, that is something I I wish we could have conversations about. But no, sex work is still not something that we're, you know, it's still too risque and dirty. And you're like, right, okay. <laughs> or you could tax it and make money off of it and provide healthcare and worker safety. But sure, yeah, fine. Yeah. Exactly. Imagine imagine the number of of sex workers who would finally be able to like live openly and honestly and make a, a legitimate living doing it like if you want to see how many people would partake in uh an industry like that go to OnlyFans right 
now and see all <laughs> the out of work drag queens who are making their money. <laughs> I mean, can't honestly, go to DragCon this year. Exactly. We've debated doing it a couple times. We'll, we'll do a horror queers only fans. I bet you we'll make a lot of money off of it. Listen, I will <laughs> keep threatening I, slash promising. <laughs> I will subscribe. I don't know if I'll watch, but I will definitely send you my money. <laughs> Out of out of an honest decency to my husband, I will I will I will not watch, but I will I'll support your endeavors. Oh, I think you I may mean, I mean by all means, you do you, but <laughs> just close one eye. It's like I was only half watching. Exactly. You do the profile turn. <laughs> so uh we are so appreciative that you guys took the time out of your very busy schedules to join us on my spooky gay family. We love your podcast. We love that there are other queer horror podcasts. And uh, Sam and I have talked a lot about kind of what it is about horror that draws queer people in. And we were we were kind of hoping to ch- chat with you guys a little bit about that today. Um, yeah. So let's start with like the overall arcing question of this conversation. What do you guys think it is that why why are queer people all so strongly attached to this genre that treats us so horribly. <laughs> well, because there's not really one singular answer to this. So I'll, I'll offer one right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the horror genre is kind of the bastard redheaded stepchild of the of film, of the film yeah. world. Like of all the genres, it's always looked down upon. It's always the outcast. Um, if you want to borrow a quote from the craft, it's, it's, it's the weirdos. Uh, and I think growing up queer, you can relate to that. And so... On a, on a pure surface level, I think it makes sense that like a, a minority group would go towards what's essentially a minority film genre. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say that as queer people, we often relate very closely to monsters that are kind of kept on the fringes and the margins. So there's an opportunity to see yourself in those villains who are odd and unusual. And I think there's something very relatable about the way that queer people see themselves portrayed in society and then how we see movie monsters. And often they get to take revenge on blonde, bubbly, buxom women and regular (laughs) members of society. And you're like shit sometimes that's what i wish i could do like just get the upper hand on like the quote unquote normies and just you know exact a little bit of blood as punishment but i also even think though it's kind of like like, i had to come out twice when i was growing up i had to come out first as in my life as a horror fan and then come (laughs) out again as a gay man yeah it's true (laughs) i think everybody who's a fan of horror at least to the extent that that we are uh probably has that moment where you're like, I like horror movies. And everyone's like, yeah, me too. I love, uh, you know, fucking... I love The Conjuring. The Conjuring, like, yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. And you're okay. like, no, but like, right. I actually like a lot of horror movies. And you're like, uh, no, I, I saw this movie, Host. And they're like, a what? And it's, <laughs> it's, it's so tricky, though, because then you're getting into the issue of gatekeeping. Because we, we, as a horror community, if we want to call it that, like... We're so protective of the genre that we mm-hmm. love because it's always like looked down upon. But on the flip side, yeah, there is that kind of thing where like we almost like want to shut. Friend. Yeah, <laughs> we almost want to shut shut people out of the fandom because they don't know enough or they don't watch enough. I mean, again, like for some people, um, yeah, like Host may be an obscure film for them, even though like for this year, it's possibly the biggest horror release of the year. <laughs> um, 
but but I, I do get what you're saying because I totally have those moments where I'm like, oh God, okay, well, so it's this movie is on this this app and it has these people in and it does this method of storytelling just like that Unfriended movie. <laughs> I know, and and that is something that uh, we love a lot too. Is a lot of times we get people who listen to the show and they'll be like, honestly, I'm not. a a huge fan of horror but I like the way you guys talk about these movies and so Mm -hmm. it's like we actually really love that idea of like kind of breaking down those barriers because it's introducing people to these movies that they might not necessarily have watched had it not been for them listening to us joke about it and basically give them all the fucking spoilers in the world on our podcast (laughs) no we've had a similar several similar experiences joe we've had like people like reach out to us and say i don't like horror i don't watch horror but Mm -hmm. i really enjoy like listening to y'all talk about it yeah and like some people like i've even gone and watched some of the movies because your descriptions made it easier to like go into and not like be as scared and i was like that's really that, honestly if that's what we accomplish in our podcast i'm good like that, that that's a job well done for me <laughs> i agree yeah. we we've also noticed that we ourselves have been predispositioned like trace and i well he'll he'll say otherwise we're within the same age range we're in our 30s <laughs> yeah. no we're, we're both in our so 30s badly. i make fun of sam on every episode i'm like i'm like god it must be so hard being 34 how horrible <laughs> it must be. Sam, I'm constantly surprised that you and I managed to get one foot out of the grave to record these podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think that there's, um, like, one of the things that we discovered was we wanted to make connections with other queer horror listeners and viewers. So we would go into, like, Facebook groups and pay attention and see, like, what were people talking about and how were they talking about it? And it, at times we would get a little dismayed because people would be like, I just watched this super obscure horror film. It's like a nightmare on Elm Street. Has anybody else seen this? And you're just kind of like, oh, Jesus Christ, you baby gays. But then you have to remember like, oh my God, that's so exciting for you. A first time watch of a nightmare on Elm Street. What was that like, right? So there's an opportunity to reframe it as opposed to like, holy shit, guys, come on, get your act together. I know. There was a movie, I can't remember... God help me, I don't remember what I was watching the other night. What was it about? What was happening? Oh, God, I can't remember. But I was watching, it was it was some horror movie. It left a really big impression. No, it, but here's the thing. It How was like, high were you? <laughs> that's really what it comes down to. Um, basically, I, I don't remember what exactly I had on, but it was like one of those like standard movies where I was like, oh, this is like a movie of my childhood like Mm -hmm. i i i remember this being um like the movie that i was watching and someone was like oh didn't the oh no it wasn't a movie i'll tell you exactly uh what it was it was that song kulo do you remember kulo 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 doesn't kulo mean like asshole it it, it means ass yeah (laughs) okay (laughs) Uh, I actually have a, a funny story about the word "culo" that I'll I'll say for another day. But um, <laughs> as someone, I was talking to someone, and they were like, they were like, "Oh my god, how old is this song? Like five years old, six years old?" I was like, "Girl, this song came out when I was in high school." I was like, "This is not a five-year-old song." I was like, "This song is at least like ten or fifteen years old." And they were like, "No." And I looked it up. It came out in two thousand four, which was sixteen years ago. And I was like, "Oh my god, I was in high school." 16 years ago. <laughs> I, uh, oh my God. Isn't that I, a horrifying thought? 
I mean, I was too. I, I was right there with you. So, uh, no, yeah, it sucks. Um, the, the, I, we were because we just reviewed the the craft sequel, the craft legacy for our Patreon, oh and goodness. we were talking about how it's like our generation is so used to having things that's like like targeted towards them because mm-hmm. again, like you know, your late teens and twenty year olds, like that's what a lot of movies are targeted towards, and now we're kind of seeing a shift where studios are targeting Generation Z and not us millennials. And people are getting really upset about that. And there's a lot of entitlement with like, well, this this, this doesn't look like it's made for me. No, it's probably not made for you. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, that's actually a really good point. I hadn't really looked at it like that, that we are no longer like the tar- target demographic. Yeah. And that yeah. just fucked up my whole night. I was like... <laughs> 18 to 24, man. I was like, yep, damn, 100%. We, just, we just aged out of the uh, out of the, the demographic. How, that sucks. I mean, we're, might as well, you, we're dead. We're dead. <laughs> <Thank you. Yeah>. Why? <laughs> we're just no longer socially desirable, right? I know. <laughs> My God. They weren't kidding when they said 30 is gay dead. Mm-hmm. We're, we're out of mm-hmm. the loop. Um, oh, sorry. What were you going to say? I, I, I was going to divert. I just wanted to say, though, so I don't know if David but um so we got our start on the podcast by doing like an epistolary article series where we would like pick a movie and go back and forth and write little responses to it but our intro we always use the phrase um oh it was something about oh we're gonna have a lot of fun but at no point will we be getting baba shook i do because (laughs) we had seen your video and we linked we linked to your music video for baba shook on every single one of our articles (laughs) which is so funny to me you know Baba Shook was such a, a weird thing. I remember it, it happened so fast. That was like 2015, I think. It was like 2015 yeah. or 16. Um, I uh, The whole thing happened, obviously, with Netflix. You guys remember that whole mm-hmm. thing where Netflix uh, listed the Babadook as a gay, uh, an LGBTQ movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so everyone was like, yes, Babashook is the B in the acronym, and blah, blah, blah. Which, by the way, people got very upset about. They were like, bisexuals were like, we're constantly being erased. And there is some validity to that. I was going to say, I'm they're kind of right. I was like, I'm not, ta- I'm, not, I'm not shitting on that. But it was funny because it was like, everyone was like, Babashook is the new queer icon. And then David and I were talking, and, and he was like, you should do a song about the Babadook because I do song parodies and I was like but it should be an original song like we should do a totally brand new song and so I contacted a DJ actually I think she's in Houston which is not near uh, uh, Austin I, I, I grew up in Houston actually oh did you, um, well, sorry, you? I, 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 grew, I grew up in the suburbs of Houston so not Houston <laughs> proper so I may not know this person do you know B. Ames <laughs> She's a drag no, queen. No, I don't. She's a drag queen and a DJ, and she does amazing like remixes and, and original tracks. And I contacted B. Ames, and literally in like three or four days, we wrote the song. She did some vocals and like put a beat together and put the track together. She did all the mixing. And a friend of mine, Topher Cusimano, and I wrote the lyrics together. And in a matter of like a week, we wrote, recorded, and produced the music video. It was insane. And because we were like, this is so time sensitive. If we don't do this now, it will never happen. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then and it like started to go viral. And, it, and I was like, this is weird. Like, I wasn't expecting this. And I guess I'm I'm glad it reached you in in Austin. <laughs> I, I, well, I think we actually saw it on Bloody Disgusting. Like, they may have done a post for it. Um, Bloody Disgusting is the a horror website that mm-hmm. um, I guess technically owns Joe and I. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny that you mentioned that though i mean like because like 
you know, when you see, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> but like when you see people like, oh, the Babadook is gay, and like you have people that are very like anti queer, and they're like, um, there's nothing queer about the Babadook. Like, we will any episodes we do. Like I think the the big the article we did that got the most hate was when we did Batman Returns, which I would, <laughs> really? I would qualify that as a horror film anyway, but it's also a very <laughs> queer film. And there's like a literalism to it that so many like horror bros can't accept where it's like, um, the penguin isn't gay, y'all. And it's like, no, 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 no. It's a queer allegory. Look at Catwoman. Yeah. Look at Penguin. Look at Batman, for fuck's sake. Like, so look at Robin. <laughs> there's no dick sucking. There's no butt fucking in Batman. <laughs> can't possibly be gay. <laughs> it's not explicit. It's implied. <laughs> But like we, I mean, we face that all the time with our with readers on Bloody Disgusting who were like, I mean, we just did Hocus Pocus, and someone was like, um, that movie's not very queer, and we're like, the director who is gay literally said it's a queer movie. I don't even know what I don't I don't agree with that. It's that, that's also the viewpoint starring Bette Midler. Yes. Like, <laughs> how dare you? You stick to your like like stay in your lane, Queen. We we have our icons, and we're sticking with them. You can't have I mean, Bette Midler. If a drag queen does anything with a character from a horror film, like that film is now queer. It's just, that is a gay it's movie. It's canon. Yes, <laughs> you are a hundred percent correct, Joe. That is, it's like we have been, we have had Bette Midler for fifty years. You cannot swoop in at the last minute because she did a great movie that y'all like and take her away. <laughs> she is ours. We claimed her. Although now apparently people are like really pissed at her for that joke she made about Donald Trump and Putin. But, uh... <laughs> she, she, she does that a lot. I think she'll, she'll bounce back. <laughs> I'm one of those people where I'm like, I will, like, I will eat my own foot before I cancel Bette Midler, so y'all are gonna have to calm down. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not gonna happen. Would you ever cancel Bette Midler? No, but she is a very angry old lady on Twitter. Like, she is an angry old lady. <laughs> not any more than Cher. <laughs> I think I mean Cher's I, a whole I, different thing though. Maybe this is sacrilegious, but I, I tend to group like Bette Midler, Susan Sarandon, and Deborah Messing in the like angry political ladies <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> like not the same beliefs all the time, but like they're just all very angry and vocal on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, but I and then throwing Roseanne for... and Kirstie Oh, oh yeah, but they suck. They like genuinely suck. <laughs> yeah, you can't compare Roseanne to Bette Midler. How dare you? <laughs> We do not we do not support uh, Roseanne's nonsense. Although I will say she is a very funny woman and very famously worked with Jackie Beat. Did you know this? I did not know that. Jackie Beat used to be very close friends with Roseanne and for a long time uh, opened for her and wrote jokes for her. And they even have a skit together on YouTube where uh, Jackie Beat is like her is quote unquote her makeup artist and so uh jackie beat is like painting her face for the stage and roseanne is like you didn't put any makeup on me and they eventually like have this huge fight it's a great skit everyone should go look at it but roseanne in her heyday was a really great queer icon and she was a, a an awesome like feminist icon it's just a shame that in in her in her golden years she's kind of jump the tracks a bit. <laughs> That's putting <it> mildly. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's like, girl, come on, somebody grab the rope. She's going off course again. <laughs> we, gotta get, <laughs> we gotta get Roseanne back on the tracks. Uh, but, do anyway. You, do you, but anyway. <laughs> do you guys have a favorite queer horror icon? Joe, do we have the same one? I mean, you know, I, hey, like, I mean... 
You go she's first not... because Trace is just going to list a, a, he's a got bunch like of bitches. A 15 bitches <laughs> that he's going to list off now. No, I mean, because she's not queer. No, I mean, again, like, I, my favorite horror franchise is Scream, and I would be nothing mm. if I wasn't if it wasn't for Gail Weathers. Like, I'm oh, sorry, absolutely. but like, she's not a queer person, but she is 100% a queer icon, and I think is, I mean, outside of Kevin Williamson, you know, being the essentially the creator of the franchise. I mean, I know we have to say Wes Craven's the creator of Scream, yeah. but you know, <laughs> Williamson wrote it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah, I fucking Gail Weathers, man. I I I, can't, I I I strive to be her on a daily basis. I will I will agree with that, and I'm even gonna throw in someone from that franchise because Scream is one of our very favorite franchises mm-hmm. as well. All of our listeners know we we talk about Scream <laughs> all the fucking time. But um, someone I'm gonna throw in from the Scream franchise who is absolute like a thousand percent a gay icon is Jennifer. A hundred percent. Scream through. Oh, Jennifer Jolie? Oh, yes. <laughs> she is a hundred percent a gay icon. Name someone who's not a gay icon that, like, delivers a dramatic line reading and then jumps into their security guard's arms. That is a gay person. I think An if you icon. put Parker Posey in any movie, it automatically makes the movie queer. I know. <laughs> I love Parker Posey. I remember one time, I don't know why she's coming up so much on this episode, but um, David and I went to see Jackie Beat at the Laurie Beachman Theater in New York City, and she is friends with Parker Posey, and I guess Parker Posey was in town, and she was, like, sitting at the table behind us, and David and I, like, the whole show, were, like, white-knuckled at the table, like, do you know who's sitting behind us? (laughs) And, like wanted to go up and say hi after but didn't want to be those like fangirling like assholes and so we we didn't say anything but it was one of those things where i was like oh my god i got to be in the same room as parker posey (laughs) i would shit myself i breathed her air i did breathe her air (laughs) what about you joe do you have a, a queer horror icon I, I do, and mine is actually another badass bitch. I was struggling to think about it for a moment, and then I realized, oh, God, of course, it's Julia Cotton from Hellraiser. Mm. Oh, yeah. That is a good I choice. I love her. She <laughs> is so badass. I love that she does everything for a good fuck. And it's like, <laughs> what's, what's more queer than that? Like, willing to kill because I got some good D. Yeah, sure. You go, Julia. Now, does it say something that us, so us two gay men are like, oh yeah, the queer icons we love are these badass women. It's not like an actual like queer character in horror. It's just these <laughs> badass women. And that's a branch off of though of why I think the queer community embraces horror is because it's full of so many strong, sometimes villainous women. And it's just, you love to see it. You know what I love? I always love to uh, bring up in this, end of the conversation because I, I do think that there should be a lot more intersectionality between um, queer activism and feminism but one thing I love to bring up is Masters of the Universe are you guys sci-fi fans? I've never seen well I mean I, <laughs> it, it, ish but I've never seen Masters of the Universe Joe, oh, Joe are you familiar Trace. with this? I'm sort of the same like I know it, of it but it's He-Man seen. right? It's He-Man yeah, <laughs> yeah. but there, there is a character in he- in Masters of the Universe named Evil Lynn and she is the fucking T it's like Skeletor is here and Evil Lynn is like on fucking par she has the craziest eyes did you guys see G- I'm sure you saw Jeepers Creepers 3 yeah I did <laughs> <laughs> Okay, wait, wait, wait. 
so I, it, it's it's For the some context. It, 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 yeah, it, it, it's it's. I'm aware that the, I'm aware that the director and creator of the franchise is a nasty ass pedophile. Yes, yeah. agree. But I I did see Jeepers Creepers three. Here, here's what I will say. I am able to kind of separate the artist from the art in that instance where it's mm-hmm. like I love Jeepers Creepers as a movie. Yeah, I think I think he's a fucking pedophile piece of shit. But what, like, I can't change that about him. I still think the movie is a great movie. <laughs> you know what no, I mean? No, I, I, I'm in the same boat. I, I think the first one's really good. I actually, the second one um, has some really fun effects. It's a very different movie. Like, it's a very, mm-hmm. like, more um, silly movie. Yeah. Um, and also probably displays some of Victor Salva's more creepy, lecherous tendencies. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But but yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't begrudge anyone who refuses to watch them or rewatch them because of his involvement. Yeah. Like it makes sense. But yeah. but yes, I agree. So wait, so what's the Jeepers Creepers three? Where are we going with this? So the actress who plays, I God help, it was it was Meg Jeepers Foster. Creepers three. Yes, Meg Foster, the actress who plays the the main woman, and <laughs> I don't remember the character's name. Uh, oh fuck no, that movie sucks. The third one's not very really good. <laughs> yeah, like really no reason to go back. But Meg Foster plays Evelyn, and in it she just has this like oh. crazy like. Like body armor and and she has this like long flowing cape but she has those like piercing blue eyes like icy yeah. blue eyes and as a villain watching her as a villain with that look and this like this like very like pale like washed out skin and like a purple lip you are just like yes bitch i love this you this is my homework for uh horror queers okay for, for next week <laughs> you are to go home and watch Ma- he-man masters of the universe and you are to report back and let us okay. know what you think because that is like Masters of the Universe was like my movie as a child. It was like Bed Knobs and Broomsticks and Masters of the Universe. And it's an incredibly Those... gay movie. Super gay. <laughs> so That's fucking like gay. The Mary Poppins knockoff, Bed Knobs and Broomsticks. Yes! Oh my God. I, I watched it this year as like a Halloween movie. I was like, you know what? I'm going to throw some Bed Knobs and Broomsticks in there because she's a witch, whatever. She fights Nazis. We're all doing it. Um, and so uh, I threw it into my Halloween watch list this year because it was literally my favorite movie as a, as a small child. Uh, and I was like, wow, this movie really fucking holds up. Like I, I still to this day love that movie. Have you guys seen it? Bed Knobs and Broomsticks? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. oh yeah, I mean, yeah. I've seen it as a kid. I haven't seen it in probably at least twenty years, but I've definitely seen it multiple times. Oh, it it's is good. It's on really good. Disney Plus. That's that's <laughs> if if you are listening and you have not seen Bed Knobs and Broomsticks, that is your homework. Horror Queers has homework. The listeners have homework. I'm gonna give you homework. I'm gonna give me homework. Joe, we have to come up with something for Pissy and Sam. Yeah, well, we gotta to find what their homework's homework. gonna be. You know, can I can I give you an honest? Uh, can I give you an honest? Uh, sort of moment for myself i yeah. have never seen the entirety and you're gonna hate me for this of hellraiser oh joe do you want to speak up <laughs> <laughs> it, it's joe's favorite fran- uh, like a horror movie like, really? what, like or if not the one of his favorite horror movies i have seen most of it but you're <laughs> this joe's gonna be like uh unsubscribe um have you seen the second one no i have not because i couldn't hey. get through the first one Oh wait 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 wait! Like so, hey, no judgment. Why couldn't you get through the person? <laughs> it was very slow to me. It is, yeah. It's a very slow movie. It was a slow burn, and um, 
I guess I just did like the story was not like pulling me in because there are a lot of like Halloween is a slow burn. There's no mm-hmm. argument against it, but I love that movie. And I think it's because the payoff was Michael Myers pinhead. I do love, I think he's a really cool looking villain, but he's not like, he's not a compelling villain to me, I guess. Well, because the villain in Hellraiser is Julia Cotton. And yeah, Frank. exactly. Pin- Pinhead's a side character, but he's just <laughs> marketed as the as the main villain. I would recommend watching the second one because it is not slow. Um, I, it kicked, I mean, and you actually go to hell in that movie, and it's all labyrinthy. <laughs> Which and is it exactly is... where Joe wants to send me right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I mean, I I would never begrudge someone for not liking a movie that I enjoy, and I can totally understand why certain people don't gravitate to it. Like for me, it was one of the first horror films that I ever saw, so it holds a special place in my heart. Right. But also, it's in. In reality, it's far more of a family melodrama than it is a conventional horror film. And people lump it in with slasher films, and it's 100% not a slasher film. Not at all. So yeah. I think when people go in and they think, oh, well, Pinhead is going to be slicing people the fuck up. And it's like, yeah, that's <laughs> like parts five through ten. <laughs> not so much the first one. To piggyback on that, there is a scene in two that I think I, I have to look away from. Like, I'm I'm a gore hound, and there mm-hmm. is a scene in two. And John, I'm talking about the, uh, the yeah, razor. Yeah, the guy in the mattress, yeah. I can't look at it. <laughs> um, but, but on a similar note, though, no, if we're gonna stick with Barker, like Candyman is a movie that I saw in high school and oh, I did I not like Candyman. it. Like I, I thought, really? I thought it was, I thought it was boring. I thought it was too slow. <laughs> yeah, it is. It does. I can see where where you would feel that way. You have to but grow I rewatched into certain horror films, right? Yeah. Yeah, but I rewatched it earlier this year. So again, like as a thirty-one-year-old instead of a seventeen-year-old, and. I, I was fortunate enough to see it in the theater um, before COVID happened, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Oh my god! Like this is really creepy. This is really scary." What was seventeen-year-old me thinking? So <laughs> it's just one of those things. I think when it comes to Candyman, there's a part of me that also kind of has to acknowledge that if I, I think if I had watched it when I was seventeen, I would have had the same reaction, and I think it's because seventeen-year-old me being like a little white boy did not know what it was like to navigate the world as a a, a woman and right. to yeah. face the hardships that she was facing in that movie and I had I had literally zero context for that and so now having been fortunate enough to uh have like listened to so many women tell the stories about the the struggles that they face Candyman it, it was like shining a whole new lens on something like that. Mm-hmm. So I could imagine Candyman would probably be like that for a lot of people who don't have that experience. Do you think that's a valid criticism? I think it's a valid criticism. I, th- I think it also has to do with, I mean, we grew up in the suburbs. Like, we don't mm. understand at all what, what, a, what a place like Cabrini Green is. Yeah. You know, so like <laughs> that part of the horror of it would probably be lost on us at a certain point. Well, and that's the thing too, right? All of us are white, right? Yes. We're all white. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to assume. Okay. The lighting in this Zoom window is so <laughs> So I mean, like, we don't have that 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 context. Like, we don't know what it's like to be black. And even mm-hmm. though the protagonist of Candyman is a white woman, that's also saying something. You know, yeah. she's like, yeah. it's the white savior right. syndrome. So. Oh yeah, that's Agreed. part of the big critique of that film, right? Is it's thinking about what her perspective is like, and you're like, oh wow. I put myself into Helen's shoes and then you realize 
Helen's also kind of the villain in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, this white bitch thinks she can come in and solve people's problems, and she's just exactly. No, no, Helen, Helen makes some choices. She's, a, yeah. she's like almost and, a Karen. Like, she's I, like a, a step Karen. further, yeah. and she would have been a Karen. <laughs> I think that's why, though, when, when I was in high school watching it, I was so frustrated with the end of that movie. Because, I mean, spoilers, I'm sorry, listeners, if you haven't seen Candyman. But when she goes <laughs> to save that baby, I'm like, bitch, get away. That baby is dead. <laughs> like, <laughs> on fire. I mean, she saves it, but, you know. <laughs> I know, I know. But I will say, that's kind of why I'm excited for the, are we calling it a reboot or a remake of Candyman? I think it's a sequel. I think it's, it's a, a sequel. sequel. Is, 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 it's yeah. a sequel. That's why I'm excited for the sequel, because it's like, oh, we're finally getting to see this movie uh, told by a, 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 through the narrative of a person of color. I was like, this mm-hmm. is a great opportunity for um, for this story to be told in a new way. And the trailer uh-huh. looks so cool. The trailer <laughs> does look really good. Have you guys seen it? I'm sure. No, I've seen it on like the DL and they're not allowed to talk about it. They're just kind of like wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Oh my God. Like it's so <laughs> But we can't say anything. Yeah, there's, there's strict embargoes up, but we we believe that it's really good. <laughs> I'm sure I would never ask you guys to to tell us anything that you couldn't. Um, but I am very excited to see uh, this this sequel to this franchise that, as having seen it as an adult, I did come to love. Uh, but I, I guess uh, I was like, we this conversation has like gone so far from where we had everywhere. I know. I think that's par for the course. I know, especially on on our show because it's like we are basically known for just going on a tangent. We're like, this episode's about hocus pocus, and three minutes in, we're talking about Jurassic Park, and it's like, oh, okay, I guess we're just changing the title. Um, so, one of the things that um, that I I love about your podcast is not only that uh, it is horror through a queer lens, but that you you also talk about specifically queer elements of mainstream horror movies. Mm-hmm. Do you have a, a favorite queer horror movie? Oh, this is tough. I know. Um, it is tough. I feel like I'm, we have recent favorite horror film, uh, queer horror films. Like 2019 was such a good year for queer horror. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trace's favorite film was The Perfection, and yeah. mine was Knife Plus Heart. Which and I, like, I love Knife Plus as Heart fuck. as well. <laughs> I haven't seen Knife Plus Heart. What is the premise? It's on Shudder. Oh, is it? It is. It, so oh. it's a French uh, kind of giallo riff set at the end of the 1970s. And it's about a lesbian filmmaker who's making basically porn films like on the cheap. She's a hustler. And suddenly all of her performers like, wait, gay, and gay crew, porn films, gay, gay porn, porn films. films. Yeah. Okay. And all of her performers and crew start to get murdered in heavily sexualized fashion. Like like bladed dildos. Oh, yeah. oh my goodness. That's nice. Uh, seven. Yeah, <laughs> no, it is, and but but you actually get to like I think the opening kill is a bladed dildo kill, and oh, it's it doesn't yeah. cut away. No. <laughs> um, so it's it's graphic and beautiful, and it gets really surreal in the middle. But yeah. it's fascinating because it's also this homogenous world filled with nothing but queer people. Like there's trans characters, there's lesbians, there's gays, and virtually no straight people exist. And it's very much. Uh, commentary about this kind of utopia that exists right before the AIDS crisis in the 80s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
I was like, this is this sounds ideal. I'm, I'm oh, here for this. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it's like you know, because the go-to like oh, people, oh, like queer horror people are always gonna be like, oh my god, Nightmare on Elm Street two, and it's like, oh god, like, and don't get me wrong, <laughs> Not, Nightmare on Elm Street two has a place, and I think it's there's a lot of admirable things about that movie, mm-hmm. but and, and honestly, I I think the biggest the most fascinating thing about Nightmare 2 is more so Mark Patton's story than it is the, the queerness that's in the film itself. Agreed. And so, yeah, so for that, like, you can go watch the documentary on him, which is Scream Queen by Nightmare on Elm Street, which is mm-hmm. fantastic. But yeah, I feel like yeah, people don't look at this. Like, we just saw a movie for the first time recently called Butcher Baker Nightmare Maker. Um, and it's it, it's either, it's called that or Night Warning. But it, it it's an 80s, um, I mean, kind of a slasher film-ish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But 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 it, there's a gay character in it that that the film treats with the utmost respect, like a movie yeah. in the early '80s, a, a horror film, and it just has this gay this gay character who there there is a homophobic cop in it that likes to throw the f slur around a lot, and that's obviously like a thing. Yeah. But the movie could have easily taken because the gay character is a coach. It's a it's a, like a boys basketball coach at a high school. It could have easily taken this like pedophiliac like look at this character. And they don't because the character's innocent. <laughs> and, it, 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 and so it's just fascinating to see a movie from that time period, again, also right before the AIDS crisis, yeah. um, that just take, treats gay characters with so much respect. It's it's something that I haven't seen a lot of before, which I'm sure there are others, but like that's a shining example for me. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I I'm I'm gonna add I'm gonna add it to my list. I'm putting that on my list. Uh, we I mean, I I'm always looking for new queer horror movie suggestions. Have you guys seen this is one that's been on my list for a while that I haven't had a chance to watch. Have you guys seen You're Killing Me? Oh, I I haven't seen it. I've heard some mixed reviews, but I'm intrigued. So Trace, this is a like a slasher horror comedy, but it's basically a guy like the main character is a serial killer and he's he's kind of trying to hide it from his boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I think I have like I've seen the poster, maybe the trip. But is it out? Like it's it, out? Yeah, it's on. Prime. Oh yeah, yeah, it's, it's been out for ages. Oh, okay. It the trailer for it was like, oh, I am here for this. I'm okay. very much here for this. And Drew Drogi is in it, and I love Drew Drogi. <gasps> so, oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> I'm Chloe Sevigny. Yes. <laughs> I I was really lucky. Um, I got to meet Drew. I I did Wigstock uh, when it came back when when they filmed it for HBO, um, and Drew Drogi was there. And I Drew and I had um, interacted on social media before, but I finally got to meet him, and now uh, we're friendly. And I like I don't have enough nice things to say about Drew Drogi. I think he is one of the funniest fucking people. He's so smart and so kind, and I don't have like. There's no limit to the number of things that I will say uh, in favor of I mean, Drew Drogi. He's done so many things, but literally, I think my freshman year of college was consumed by like watching all of his Chloe Seven videos. Like, <laughs> I, I, I could not stop. I love. I've recently discovered that I love Toast. Toast. <laughs> <laughs> he's so good and he's so funny. Uh, someone who uh, he reminds me a lot of, who I think doesn't get as much credit is do you guys know Jack Plotnick he's he's a super super funny uh character actor he played um did you ever see that show drawn together I own both seasons three seasons on DVD oh my god (laughs) 
he was the he was the voice of Xander. Oh, the gay Link okay. character. Yeah, the gay Link, the like oh. twinky as fuck Link, the twink Link. See, um, I was gonna say Drew reminds me of um. Have you ever seen Summer Heights High? Yes, oh, yes. he does. He reminds me of that 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 actor who I, does uh, that. Mar- what's his name? Uh, Mark something, right? Yeah, I just always think about Jamey. Jamey, Jamey. Did you see his most recent show? That Mm-mm. came out. It was put out on Netflix. It was not as like widely received as Summer Heights High, uh, but it was like it was all of these like strange people in Australia that were like kind of coping with their strange lives. And one of the characters was this like freshman girl at a college who was like eight feet tall, and she just <laughs> had these like really long legs. And she would like she would like get her hair stuck in the ceiling fans and she couldn't have the like bottom bunk in a bunk bed like weird shit it was so funny his mind is so such a bizarre place to live I, st- I, I I'm so happy y'all had a drawn together reference and that is the last thing I expected coming into the show <laughs> Wait, Joe, off the checklist. have you seen this show Joe do you know what it is drawn together yeah, yeah. I've got the first okay cool. I, I just wanted to make sure <laughs> He's, no, he's I like, love don't it. come I, for me. Princess Clara, the racist princess, is my icon. <laughs> she so is so terrible. Comedy Central used to be a much different place. 100%. It's it like a totally different place. But that, I loved Drawn Together. And mm-hmm. uh, Jack was the voice of Xander. And he is like, he is very much like Drew Drogi in that he kind of comes from that same kind of sketch comedy background where he's an amazing comedic actor and if you have a chance look up any one of his comedy he's if you're friends with him on facebook he's always releasing comedy shorts like Uh, almost daily i'm like how do you find the fucking time but they're always like (laughs) new characters he has one character i can't remember her name but she's excuse me uh she's like a uh she's like a like an aged Hollywood actress but she's basically she just like chain smokes and talks about fucking all of the producers in Hollywood and it's so fucking funny <laughs> like you have you just have to watch I, it. I wish it. I could remember the character's name um but Jack <laughs> Plotnick was the voice of Xander and uh he reminds me a lot of Drew Drogi. I will I will say if you follow two gay male actors from this episode make it Jack Plotnick <laughs> and Drew Drogi. <laughs> And They'll supply you with comedy, right? Constantly. Like, Jack is one of those people, I, I know I said it before, but, like, he's one of those people where, like, he is constantly putting out new content. And it's, like, stuff that, it, it doesn't, it's not even necessarily topical. It's just, like, he thinks of a funny situation and will just make a video. And it's, they're all hysterical. And he works with, like, these really talented writers sometimes. And sometimes it's just his own work. But he is just... Uh, he's just the funniest fucking person. I, 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 I don't, another person I don't have a mean thing to say about. I think he's absolutely wonderful. Um, I just followed them while y'all were saying that. Did you? <laughs> <laughs> he's so good. You will not regret it tomorrow when you're like scrolling through his feed and you're like, oh my God, he's hysterical. He's also like, uh, he's a hardcore progressive liberal. So I'm like, I'm here for all of that as well. <laughs> um, I have another question for you. This one may be a little bit more difficult than the last one. Do you have <laughs> a, a queer horror movie that is not your favorite? Mm. Let's see. I, I can think of one for you, Trace. Uh, <laughs> are you thinking Stage Fright? 
I mean, that wouldn't have been my go-to, but yeah, you can talk about Wait. that one. <laughs> no, no, no. What, 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 which one do you think? I was going to say Lost Boys for you. Oh, well, okay. No, okay. So um, I haven't seen the Lost Boys since I was in college. I've only seen it the one time, and it was definitely one of those, like, that's it movies when I watched it. <laughs> and we will cover it for the podcast one day because it's one of those that we get requested to do a lot. And I'm just like, oh, I just don't want to, like, I don't really care about it that just much. For, pa- for clarification, you mean the Lost Boys with Kiefer Sutherland? Yes, correct. Okay. Okay. Um, pa- punk is not my favorite aesthetic. Okay. Um, and I think that's my barrier to entry there. <laughs> um, even though, yes, I'm sure it's super, I mean, it's got a gay director. It's Joel Schumacher. Um, yeah. God rest his soul. Uh, yeah, and, uh, I, I, uh, I'm trying to think of something else that, like, I haven't really, like, enjoyed that we've done, Joe, because, uh, I, I mean, I, I don't like to shit on movies, but, like, um, sure, <laughs> so he says, like, no one's ever listened to the podcast before. No, stay, stay, oh, you know, okay, you know what, Here, I don't, I don't dislike it, but I will say, I'm not part of the Rocky Horror Cult. <gasps> right. I yeah. am not. Just revoke um, the gay card right now. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I, I have been to screenings of it. I have, I, I I've seen it with like you know full like midnight movie crowd at least three or four times in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I just not for me. <laughs> I will say if you're not like, if you're not, are you a musical theater person? Do you get, do you love musicals? I do, and that's oh. that, that's the thing. No. <laughs> I'm like shocked by this. I I love musicals. I love musicals so much. I I karaoke the fuck out of show tunes. Like I, <laughs> it, it's just for some reason. I'm trying to think like, like I I actually do. I mean I don't love it, but I I think Repo the Genetic Opera is kind of fun. Repo is um, the best but, like, movie state- ever. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I love Repo. Go ahead. It, it's it's really it's very much trying to be Rocky Horror and I think because it's trying to be that it doesn't always succeed, but it's yeah. kind of a fascinating mess of a film. <laughs> um but I'm trying to think of like a horror musical that I've seen. I, I did like Phantom Stage of the Paradise. Film. I really enjoyed that. Which hmm? one? Which one did you Phantom say? Phantom of the Paradise. Oh, I remember the first time I watched Phantom of the Paradise was when uh, we were kids. We were on vacation in Virginia, and I fell down two steps and sprained my ankle. <laughs> and so my whole family, all of them would, like, go out and do these, like, boat trips, and they would go out shopping and do all these things, and I was, like, stuck at home. So all I could do was, like, sit on the couch and watch movies, and Phantom of the Paradise was one of the movies I'm really going to be dating myself when I say this. There was not streaming at the time, so it was, okay, like... I think we all of us all of us have lived that life yeah (laughs) (laughs) so it was like there were like four movies in the house and like three of them were turner and hooch and the other one was like phantom of the paradise (laughs) and so i watched phantom of the paradise just like on vacation i was like oh my god this is a great movie (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't know what it is about rocky horror i mean like i do like a lot of parts of it it's just like like i I, I don't love it like everyone else does. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's fine. Um, it so... has that lull in the middle, which is basically from mm-hmm. between the beginning and the end. It, it's yeah. just... <laughs> great it's opening, little... great finale. I, I appreciate how weird it is. I appreciate like how much it means to the queer community specifically. Like Not even the horror community, the, the horror queer community. Yeah. Um, it's just, yeah, I, I, I guess when it comes to musicals, it's just like uh, that one just... 
doesn't really maybe it's it's a rock musical like i think rock musicals maybe aren't my favorite thing for sure sure. Uh, i prefer it to be more theatrical but I Joe, tend to feel the same way. She wants that Phantom of the Opera bullshit, is what he's saying. I mean, Phantom of the Opera is technically considered a rock musical. <laughs> yeah, technically. It, but it's but like then you've Angela got Carlotta acting like a giant bitch, and he's like, "Oh my, Gail Weathers impersonation." <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm gonna get so much shit for that. I promise, I don't hate Rocky Horror, you guys. No, I, just, I know, I know. My... <laughs> I, guys, I, I promise, I don't but, hate no, Rocky. Joe, Joe, step into the limelight. <laughs> okay. Um, so it I don't know that it's considered like a classic that people uphold, but I know that people do like it. We covered Single White Female on the oh, podcast yeah. earlier mm. this year, and I was like, this movie is fucking boring. <laughs> 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 like, it's just, I love the two women in it, but there's nothing for them to do. And I was really surprised that it's upheld as some kind of like, ooh, this is a, a big lesbian text. I was like, no, give me something more sensational or more confronting because this is playing it safe. It feels like it's for straight people, and that immediately bores me. Well, mm-hmm. we can always watch it pseudo-remake The Roommate with Leighton Meester because that's... <laughs> maybe it'll Spoiler, be better. maybe in the future. <laughs> <laughs> Are we getting tea right now that I did not see coming? Uh, <laughs> Sam, do you have a, a queer horror movie that like just doesn't resonate with you? I actually also don't like The Lost Boys. I'm actually not that surprised by that. I just... I I don't like vampire movies as a general rule. I get that. So teenager vampire movies when you <laughs> when you throw in a bunch of obnoxious male teenagers, I'm mm. like this this is not for me. I, that's fair. Question though for you, Sam, do you yes. like Fright Night? Fright Night is a good movie. Okay, yeah, see, I, I I'm on the Fright Night train. I am not on the Lost Boys train. But that's because Fright Night is campy as fuck. Mm-hmm. Like Lost Boys, Lost Boys has like some camp, which is kind of surprising because, like you said, Joel Schumacher, but. Um, a, a Fright Night is definitely like way campier than yeah. uh, than Lost Boys. I'm not. I'm actually not that surprised that you don't like the Lost Boys. I will not. I'm not going to sit here and say I'm like the biggest fan of the movie. I do like it. Like if it's on, I'll be like, yeah, of course, I'll watch this. But um, I'm not like a diehard Lost Boys fan. Do right. you like it, Joe? Uh, I don't mind it. I think I've only seen it the one time. And I was like, yeah, it's fine. Like, I like the performances. And I think the aesthetic is kind of fun. But I find it also wears out its welcome a little bit. Yeah. It 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 has a few, like, third acts where you're like, okay, are we done now? Are we done now? Are we done now? <laughs> I also realized, Trace, there's long hair on men in that movie. So that could be another I don't sticking have long point. I long hair on men. I know. <laughs> I've heard that about you. <laughs> I'm I'm almost sad to say that I'm constantly in long hair. You must hate it. Okay, no, a wig <laughs> is different. A wig is totally different. That is fine. Although, I just always, it's I off the that, shoulders. Yeah. Yeah, I find that when men have long hair, it just looks greasy and gross. I don't I don't I don't need that. Yeah, I'm I'm not a big fan of long hair on men myself, uh, personally. <laughs> But um, that's not to say that I would say anything bad about them to their face. Oh, I mean, that's not to say that, like, if, like, you know, in in a single time and a person with long hair came up and said, do you want to have sex? I mean, who am I to say no? (laughs) 
just imagine a faceless man with long hair coming up to Trace and saying, do you want to have sex? And in that circumstance, you would say yes. Just, yeah. just cousin it wanders into your bedroom. <laughs> Actually, that would be kind of Well, fine. <laughs> that would be quite an adventure. Don't you ever wonder where that little that little hairy baby came from? Mm-hmm. I'm like, how did this happen? <laughs> Ooh, you know, There's that's a good hole. queer horror movie, though, is Adam's Family Values. It certainly that... is. <laughs> Speaking of campy bitches. What did you say? Speaking of campy bitches. I know. That is like the ultimate campy movie. Although I will say, uh, it's not Adam's Family Values. Or is it Adam's Family Values that has Nathan Lane? Yes. Oh, well, then added added camp. Yeah, because he's the cop. He's when, the cop when... After when, Debbie kicks them out of the house. Yeah, when Gomez... Oh, shit, that's really? Yeah, yeah, that's I, Nathan I, Lane. Oh, my God. In, like, a three-second part. I know. It's, it's very much a cameo. He's like, who are you? What are you? Yeah. <laughs> that, that was on regular rotation in my house when I was, like, a child, so... Yeah, easily. Yeah, it's do gateway have, horror. Do you have a favorite, like, kids... I don't want to say kids horror movie, but, like... Uh, an all ages horror movie, family friendly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, m- mine is. Uh, I, I'm not gonna say Hocus Pocus. I'm actually gonna say Scooby Doo on Zombie Island. Um, I saw I your post about that. Didn't you just post I mean, a clip from it? Huh? Didn't you just post a clip from that and on your Facebook? I, it's Probably. possible. It's possible. He <laughs> um, posts it all the time. No, it, it's. I mean, I get because I made Joe watch it because we covered it for the podcast, and he wasn't crazy about it because I mean he he didn't grow up with Scooby. I mean he he knew Scooby Doo, but he didn't like grow up watching Scooby Doo. I'm a mm-hmm. Scooby Doo yeah. junkie, but it's it's a G-rated Scooby Doo movie that not only uses real monsters. There's like werecat people. There's a whole scene <laughs> where uh, where people get forced into a bayou to get eaten by alligators. Like it's a really dark. And, and the zombies are real. Like, it's real zombies. Um, <laughs> it's a really dark Scooby-Doo tale, which, again, if you're watching it as a horror fan, you're like, um, this is a kid's movie. But if you watch it as a kid's movie, and then you're kind of, like, watching all these things, and you're like, oh, this is really dark. And we actually found some queer aspects in it, especially with Velma, because she almost <laughs> flashes her cooch in it. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds God. like how Leave Velma alone. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> Velma. Have you seen it? <laughs> yeah. She's like over and over for that very reason. (laughs) There's a scene where Velma gets levitated and uh, and basically like she has to like hold her dress down over her skirt down over her vagina. And um, (laughs) Captain's like, the view is so great from here. And she's like, maybe from where you're standing. (laughs) (laughs) She knows Velma certainly knows her worth. (laughs) (laughs) What about you, Joe? Do you have a, a favorite all ages horror movie? Uh, so I had a weird upbringing where my parents paid me to not watch TV and movies. So I kind of missed this big, I have this big gap in my cultural knowledge, uh, in the late eighties and early nineties. Do you but... mean literally paid you not to yes. watch? <laughs> yeah. They would pay me a hundred dollars a year to not watch television and movies. Oh, I got to weird. watch the wonderful world of Disney and hockey. That was it. Canada is just... <laughs> no, this is not a Canadian There thing. is this... no shortage of, of, of great things about being Canadian. In America, you have to pay $100, and then they're like, you still can't watch our movies. Exactly. <laughs> My God. They paid you $100 a year not to watch horror movies. Yeah, because they wanted me to develop an active imagination, and they wanted to encourage me to read, which worked, because I still read, and I have got... 
overactive imagination. Just, but wow. you can also read and watch, watch movies. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yes, thank you. I've realized that now. <laughs> In your old age, it's come to you. <laughs> yeah. Now I but see. I think, but I think as a result, I did watch not quite family friendly, but adventure movies or movies that were appropriate for teens that had really scary scenes in them. Mm. So I vividly remember watching Raiders of the Lost Ark and then having horrible nightmares about the opening of the Ark where everybody's oh, yeah. face melts off. Mm, see, for me, that that was me with Temple of Doom. I saw Temple of Doom yeah. as a kid and that heart ripping scene is like fucking traumatizing. Yeah. Do you know what, what movie gave me, like, oh, I don't want to call it a kid's movie because it's probably actually not, but what movie gave me, like, weird nightmares as a kid was Hook. Oh. And, and it was yeah. when he, when Captain Hook gets eaten by the alligator, that, wow. like, that like, fucked me up. I See, thought, <laughs> that was a rough day. The, the thing with that movie is actually when Hook kidnaps the children, it's, it's, it's shot very much like a horror movie because they're all sleeping in their beds and the windows open up and the thunder's oh, yeah. going... Mm-hmm. And, like, the covers get ripped off of them, and they start screaming, and then it cuts away, and it's really scary. It's a bad movie, but it's really scary. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes all it takes is an effective scene. Oh, no, Trace, you're killing me. I <laughs> no, love I mean, Hook. I used to like it, but I did see it as an adult, and, oh, my God, it is about an hour too long. <laughs> <laughs> it is a bit long, but I do, I think it's a beautifully shot movie. And mm-hmm. I, I, mean, I think Spielberg. Robin Williams is amazing. And uh, 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 Dustin Hoffman. He's mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. oh, he's camping it up. It's great. Yeah. He's basically a drag queen in that movie. He yes. really, he uh, truly, he's yeah. in heels the whole movie. <laughs> I I love Dustin Hoffman in that movie, and it's one of those things where like, when you watch him in any movie, he's just one of those actors. There are not a lot of actors like I do not like. I I shouldn't say I don't like him. I don't care for the movies that Robert De Niro makes. I think Uh, Al Pacino is talented, but I don't think he's as talented as people say he is. And that's exactly how I feel about Robert De Niro, too. Like, I like them. They're wonderful men, I'm sure. I bet if if I sat down to have dinner with them, I would have the best time of my life. But you can't tell me that Robert De Niro is a better actor than Dustin Hoffman. You know, that's how I feel about um, Russell Crowe. Like, I can take or leave Russell Crowe. I don't give a shit. Yeah. And sometimes I feel like these, like, these guys who deliver this machismo get so much attention for being these, like, prolific, amazing actors. And I'm like, Dustin Hoffman has taken on so many different roles and has done them with such elegance and such... Uh, nuance. I'm like, how can you look at me and tell me that Robert De Niro is a better actor than do Dustin you, Hoffman? Do you think though that because we're queer men, we are? Because yeah, machismo turns me off in general because it just yeah. reminds me of being like a teenage gay kid, like yeah. who didn't like to be bullied. Yeah, bullied. And, yeah, and yeah, and so I, <laughs> I, 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 I get what you're saying, and I do agree, but I do wonder if it's because we're relating that machismo to our youth or honestly, even now um, and kind of rejecting that even on an acting standpoint. I think that's a fair criticism. I'm, I'm a bit biased, but I don't think I am. <laughs> <laughs> I don't Just think a I little am. Bit. I think my criticism is that like, they're always like, oh, these they play these complex... Like, you look at someone like Al Pacino yeah. in The Godfather, and they're like, oh, he played this complex character. And it's like, you never really see him have anything other than these, like, 
angry emotional outbursts. Yeah. And it's like, there's no complexity to the character. I'm sure that his emotional arc for that is like, I felt 27 things and all I expressed was anger. And it's like, that's what you're supposed to take away from it. But it's like, you watch someone like Dustin Hoffman play a character and there are moments of such vulnerability and then there are moments of such power and there are moments of like there's always this kind of give and take and that's what I respect about it is that these characters feel more fleshed out to me and they feel more uh, they feel more emotionally present than just these guys who like they they sit down and they like stare sternly off mm -hmm. camera and everyone's like oh my god and I'm like yeah. I, I just don't it doesn't, as someone who has studied the craft of acting, I, <laughs> I, I'm like, I don't see anything happening there. It doesn't I think say anything fair. to me. Yeah. Do, uh, do you agree with me? No, I love Robert De Niro. But anyway. But No, I think Robert De Niro, I mean, I haven't seen all of his movies, but I do actually think he's fantastic in Cape Fear. I think that's a really good role for Cape Fear, I think, was his best movie. It probably mm -hmm. was. And again, I'm not saying that he is. I guess I am saying. No, he is, I, know, I, I, I know. I know what you're saying. He's he's not your cup of tea. Yeah, not my cup of tea. I'm sh If you like Robert De Niro, that is your problem to deal with in therapy. Uh, that's not it's none of my business. You ha you're entitled to your terrible opinions. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, so oh, the look you just got. <laughs> Um, so I have one final question for you guys before we before we let you go. Uh, twenty twenty has been just a flaming so bag of hot <laughs> garbage, and um, we have been deprived of so many, so many good horror movies that were supposed to come out this year. Mm. Do you have a favorite that unfortunately was postponed due to COVID? Or is there uh, one mean, that you were most looking forward to? Oh, I've, I've got good. one, but I'll let Joe go first. Yeah, because I already know which one yours is going to be. Um, <laughs> so we've talked about mine before earlier. It's Candyman. It was by far the mm. one that I was most anticipated for. I think Nia DaCosta is just going to nail this movie. And all of the images that I've seen look iconic, but also reflective of that first film. And I was really, really... And in some ways, I'm glad that they're postponing it because that means that they have so much faith in the film that they want people to see it in the theaters. And I mm -hmm. think that's really great, particularly considering how many female directed films has gone to VOD, whereas a lot of male directed films have been postponed. Looking at you, Halloween kills. I fucking hate you, blah, blah, blah. Um, <laughs> but all this to say, I, I'm glad that. I think that there's so much confidence in that movie that they were like, yeah, we're going to delay this because we think it's important. People see it on the big screen in great sound in crystal clear vision. Okay. That's a fair. I, I was also very upset about Candyman. Uh, yeah. I, I'm very sad that we didn't get that in 2020. How about you, Trace? Um, Joe, did you think I was going to pick Halloween kills? No, I thought you were going to pick spiral. Oh yeah. I'm picking spiral. Um, <laughs> No, I mean, I, I do want to see Halloween Kills because I, I think it's going to be super fun. But no, my, my pick is 100% Spiral. Um, Joe and I just did, um, uh, we did a, every Sunday in October, we went back and watched two Saw films. So we did the whole franchise over the course of October. <laughs> and the th the reason I'm excited for Spiral is because, so on paper, this sounds like a bizarre fucking thing. Yeah. It's Chris Rock <laughs> and Samuel L. Jackson in a Saw Ooh. movie that might be a sequel, might be a prequel, might be a remake. We don't really know what the fuck yeah, it is. <laughs> 
And it's a Saw movie, so it could all it could be all of those. Things. It's literally and every piece. <laughs> they were gonna release it in May, so summer of 2020. They pushed it back to May, not to October. They pushed it back another year to May. They're oh, releasing this movie, a Saw movie, in summer, and they <laughs> and. I just have to believe that the studio has so much confidence in this movie. And the fact that it is Chris Rock and Samuel Jackson is such a bizarre combination with this franchise that there's no way it can be. Or It's either going to be absolutely bonkers, hilarious, and terrible, or it's going to be like a secretly brilliant Saw movie. I mean, I hope. We can only hope. <laughs> there's no in between. It, it's such an enigma of like I don't know what this movie is, and I because like when you walk into Candyman, you mostly know what you're gonna get. You walk into Halloween Kills, you know what you're walking into. I don't know what I'm walking into with Spiral from the Book of Saw, you're a bit <laughs> and of that a, excites me. You're a bit of an adrenaline junkie. Though. Yeah. <laughs> but also, I so disagree. We have no idea what we're getting out of Candyman. No, you I think mean, you know, like, oh, we're gonna get a guy with a hook. That's all we know. Right. That's true. But I mean, like we. <laughs> We at least know the basic concept of Candyman. Like, I mean, I don't even know. We don't even know if Jigsaw is going to be in Spiral. We don't know. <laughs> I My only hope for that movie is that at some point, at some point, he will say, let's get these motherfucking chains off my motherfucking legs. Like, right. if he doesn't say that. It is a, like, why even but, have him in the movie? No, okay, the trailer already had a tease where he goes, you want to play games, motherfucker? And I was kind of like, ooh, that's pushing, because it's written, by the same, <laughs> it's written by the same guys who wrote Jigsaw, but they also wrote Sorority Row and Piranha 3D. So it's two guys <laughs> who are known for horror comedy, but comedy in Saw doesn't really... Does not go well. It doesn't no, go well together. Not, a, not in the slightest. <laughs> Unintentional so, comedy. That Carrie always performance. Yeah. yeah, sure. <laughs> so I hope they lean away from the comedy, but I don't... I mean, no matter what, I'm going to be seeing that movie in theaters opening weekend because I just have to see <laughs> what it is. I want to know what it is. <laughs> I, I, You're going to be getting a call from me literally like... 20 minutes after the first airing is over so I can be like how was it because I I really need to know exactly what the, what to expect walking into this theater I don't yeah. have as much blind faith as you do in this movie no one does I don't I think. just don't think a studio is going to release Saw in summer like that's not Saw is an October thing and I know they want to stay away from Halloween like the, yeah. the movie Halloween yeah. kills yeah. yeah but like why are you moving it to the summer that's so bizarre to me it just Didn't doesn't make any Saw sense Saw 7 come out in the in the summertime no, they were um, they were all October. All October. They were all, oh. If it's Halloween, it must be Saw. That was the tagline all the time. Oh, huh. I I, I remember I went to see um, Saw Seven. That was the one that was in 3D, right? Yeah, it's the bad one. That, that's the only legitimately bad, bad Saw film. <laughs> the bad one. Um, I went to see <laughs> Saw Seven with my friend Adam because he was like, he was like, I know this movie is going to be bad. But he was like, I want to be able to tell my kids that I saw all of the Saw movies in theaters. And yeah. I was like, <laughs> I was like, why? I was like, why, <laughs> why is that? A, why is that an it's accomplishment? <laughs> He's a purist. He must I, be. It's an endurance. I, no, I think the idea is that because, you know, like people that grew up in the 80s, you had your franchise, you had right, your Jason, yeah. you had your Fred, you had Halloween. Some people have seen all the screams in theaters. I've only seen Scream 4 in theaters. So Same. we had... Quality wise, like up and down as it was, mm -hmm. we had a major horror franchise that was getting released one a year. And then, of course, it was Paranormal Activity, but I would rewatch a Saw movie or Paranormal Activity any day of the week. Um, <laughs> so I think it's just, 
if you're a certain age group, like, I mean, even us, honestly, I mean, I was born in 1989, so I couldn't see a lot of these big franchises. So Saw was like the one horror franchise that I could say I saw all of them in theaters. That's true. I'll give you that. The, we did not have a lot of good horror franchises. We did have the amazing uh, uh, Urban Legend franchise. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the drag queen hair. Yeah. The drag queen hair. <laughs> dang, dang, dang. Rebecca Gayhart in that movie is like the pinnacle. I love her in that movie so much. There we go. There, there's a queer horror icon. That, that is a queer horror icon because not. You know what? Rebecca Gayhart is tied. Not only, I mean, obviously, Urban Legend is pretty gay, but uh, you have Jawbreaker. It, oh no, she wasn't in Jawbreaker. She was. No, in, she was. Um, she was. was. She, she is. Yeah. She yeah. was in She's Jawbreaker. The boring well, and, and, and the screenwriter of Urban Legend is gay. I mean, he has Darren Stein. Yeah. No, oh, sorry, no, no, no. Jawbreaker, yes, sorry. The screenwriter of Urban Legend is Sylvia oh, Orta, who created um, Ugly Betty. Ugly he has sadly passed away, but oh. um, yeah, you've got it. Like the writer of Urban Legend and the writer of Scream, both gay men. <laughs> I know. Kevin Williams, he deserves, like, he deserves an award for just basically giving us the 90s. Like, he basically he did everything we, we still talk about to this mm -hmm. day from the 90s. <laughs> uh, so. Joe and Trace, thank you so much for joining us. Where can everybody find you? Well, first, thank you for having us. This is a super fun time. <laughs> we had a blast with you guys. We want you to come back, like, ASAP. <laughs> By all means. Um, no, you can find... <laughs> we'll come on next week. Um, we... You can find the podcast at Horror Queers on Twitter and Instagram. We've got Horror Queers Facebook page. We also have a Facebook group for our listeners um, that... Um, it's a cool Facebook group. It's not a regular yeah. Facebook group. It's a cool Facebook group. Yeah, we go to them all regularly. Exactly. Um, and then uh, for me, you can find me at Trace D Thurman on Instagram and Twitter. Beautiful. And I am at B Storm My Remote, and that's the letter B. Oh, I love that. <laughs> it's it's a riff on Fashion Police. That tells you when I joined. I know. <laughs> I asked him to change it. I Did asked him to really? make it his name. Yo, I, I was like, just make it your name. It's so much easier. But he was like, it's it's too late. It's been too long. <laughs> I've made a commitment. <laughs> yeah, but it worked. It, it's good. Be, I, I just I just call him Be Still My Remote now. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. And to uh, to all of our listeners who who are enjoying this episode, please check out Bloody Disgusting as well. Uh, they have tons of awesome. Uh, horror content and obviously produce awesome podcasts like Horror Queers. Um, we hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Thank you guys so much for joining us. So uh, that's it for us this week. We will be back uh, with more fun stuff on uh, all of our channels. We have a new uh, mini, mini, mini microsode coming out on Monday. So until then, stay spoopy and remember. I remember she was a bit player in a couple of my movies. A nobody. So what does it matter? Oh, come on. You have made millions off the story of her murder. You're obsessed with her, and you're obsessed with her daughter! All right, easy, Geraldo. My Spooky Gay Family features music by Nate Walker, artwork by David Elon, and this episode contains clips from Scream 3, distributed by Dimension Films in the year 2000. Please subscribe on iTunes, leave us a nice message, and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Patreon. My Spooky Gay Family is a product of Barbara Duel Productions. Music